Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from digestion to weight loss, autoimmune conditions to fertility, and so much more. But today we're talking about sleep. It is crucial to our health, and a lot of us aren't getting enough good quality rest. And Senya says things like stress or anxiety, a nutritional deficiency, or a hormonal imbalance can be impacting our sleep. Healing Insight can help with those issues and treat you with acupuncture, utilizing calming points on the wrist, on the heart meridian that help you finally relax and sleep, and recommending herbs to calm stress and supplements to balance hormones. I see Senya regularly. She places needles in strategic points and then just lets me rest. I call it an acupuncture nap, and it's like a full night of restorative sleep in about 30 minutes. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn all about all of the treatments she offers. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And you know what makes your nest better? A nice balance in your savings account, Marjorie Punnett. (laughs) It does. One of the things I think you and I are both searching for whatever lining, I'm not even going to say silver lining of the pandemic. We want the gold lining. We want the platinum lining. (laughs) Yes, we're looking for the platinum lining. And uh, this month in the Atlantic, among other articles that are being quite talked about in the Atlantic, they did have, this was the headline, the pandemic has created a class of super savers. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is a platinum lining. This is what Americans, I mean, Susie Orman's been preaching this for like three decades now. Right, right. Of you need like 12 months of savings in your bank. Right. And Americans are not great at saving their money. We like to spend our money. But these, mm-hmm. this is, these are the new stats. So it said, this is from the Atlantic, the country's personal saving rate, the share of people's disposable income that gets saved or invested rarely exceeds 10% in the last 20 years. Americans are not great savers until the pandemic. That shut up three times that in April. And they say it's most likely to all of the government aid and that sort of extra $600 that people were getting. Right. And they said despite government aid ending, one group is still saving. And those are the people that have been able to retain their jobs. So we're probably looking at middle class, upper middle class, and then the wealthy are still saving. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately for – people who have lost their jobs, things are going to sort of hit critical mass in the next couple of months because they have not been able to pass another aid bill. And so I I can't – that just breaks my heart because you know there are lots of people who are going to be experiencing incredible financial stress coming up. But for the people that are saving, this is a big darn deal. They've changed their spending habits. They're spending less on daily comforts, spending less on vacations, less on eating out. 
all of that, less on extracurricular for kids. And so I just thought we should talk about how has it affected you and have you seen this in your own life? Well, I love that you're bringing this up. And I do, I mean, before we even go there, even going back in time, looking at that idea, we can all remember people who say, oh, my grandfather grew up in the depression. And so when he died, I found this. I remember my dad finding boxes of nails that had been pounded to be straight again in my grandfather's basement when my grandpa died, just box after box of them that they were all stored. Now, my grandpa was born in 1918, and so he was young when the Depression hit. But of course, that was in his formative years. I mean, he was 10, 11, 12, and so was living through that with his parents. And and so it was interesting of how much that impacted him. You know, from from my mom, who was a child of the Depression, she was born in 1933 and then certainly a child um, going through World War Two. Right. My whole childhood, I can remember bacon grease. Yes. They always saved the bacon grease. Well, I do that every day anyway. I have got two jars of bacon grease, but (laughs) that always seems so weird to me. How else does one fry their potatoes, Marjorie? (laughs) I mean, let's get real. You only have so much duck fat on hand, so you've got to make sure you have bacon grease. But it's just so funny. Bacon grease, ribbons, wrapping paper. Yeah. They saved everything. And I I think as we move into such a disposable society, I wish that too would be sort of a result of the pandemic is that we would reuse and reuse and reuse so it doesn't end up in the landfill. But I think this idea of saving and cutting back is such a – if it lasts, will such be such a healthy thing for us. Well, because what it is is it's a focus on conservation. And it's a focus on conservation and humans will conserve when we need to conserve. And when we don't need to conserve, we don't. And so for most of my lifetime, conservation has been about this far-off idea of plastic everywhere and some financial expert like Susie Orman telling you that someday in the future you might need this amount of money and so you can save it. It's the same, though, as Marjorie is saying, like, hey, if you don't quit smoking, you might die. Uh, But but that's – humans are amazing at being able to compartmentalize and to deny and to put things off because they think, number one, it won't happen to me, or number two, it won't happen for such a long time that I won't have to deal with it, so I'm not even going to think about it now. And I think we have reached this crippling point of just consumption and overspending and debt, debt that I might argue starts with the federal government, which is completely out of control. And when you look at this living precariously with just consuming and throwing and every dollar just going, well, every dollar that comes in goes out as fast as it comes in, that's an unsustainable lifestyle. And so this fear that people had when it was, oh my gosh, I might lose my job, or also I, I don't know what's coming next, causes people to look inward, contract, stop spending, start saving, and and then hopefully start conserving in other areas of life too. And the bummer is, Marjorie, that so much of this is again such a great definer of the haves and the have nots yeah. in 
in America because if you've kept your job, you've been able to do this and probably make some changes that will be long-term beneficial in your life and in your household. And if you were shift working and working in restaurants and and then all of a sudden you're out of work, then you're drowning. Yeah. I mean, when you, I think there was a study a long time ago that I read, I mean, within the last year and a half that most people would find themselves in trouble if they had an unexpected bill of, it was either 300 or $500. Right. That is living so close to the margins. That's really scary. And I look back and I think, I could have saved so much more. And I know that because I moved out of my house in St. Paul and had to sort through everything we owned. And that is such a painful exercise when you think, oh, I spent $25 on this. Wish I put that $25 in the bank. Oh, I spent – and I so I think if if the pandemic does anything, if it makes – Somebody like your age or somebody in their 30s, really, because that's that's sort of when you hit begin to hit your stride, your earning power. Somebody in their 30s, if if they really learn the lesson now, oh, my goodness, I need to save. Yeah, that will make such a difference when they reach my age. And and I think that that's such an important lesson that's hard to learn unless you're confronted with something like this, with the real possibility that even jobs that you thought, oh, I'll be secure for the rest of my life, nothing is secure. And I think that's yeah. what we've learned in 2020. It is the year of absolute reckoning. Reckoning. We cannot, we cannot take for granted anymore what we throw away as we, you know, as we look at the environment around us and we look at a whole state of California on fire. We can't take our jobs for granted. We can't take our environment for granted. I mean, it's so strange to me of how much of this is all happening in 2020. Well, and I think you just can't assume that anybody else is going to take care of you. And I think that's yeah. sort of what we were lulled into this sense of, oh, the government will take care of things. And, and I don't, I think regardless of your political affiliation, I mean, it is, it would be difficult for one to say that this pandemic has been handled well in the yes. wealthiest country in the world. Yes. And you can say that a from disgrace. a CDC perspective. You could say that from an administration perspective. You can say that down to local administrations. I mean, yeah. Saying there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah. Saying that this has been handled well is just not it's just not the case and i and and then the focus on constantly like this silver bullet of of we need one thing to just fix it is also i think detrimental because i think we need to look collectively at what are the problems that led us to get here we are the unhealthiest industrialized nation in the world i mean do you think that that's contributing to our high rates of covid numbers and deaths Absolutely. And there's been no conversation about how immunity and food and chemicals and all of this stuff impacts our bodies and then makes us more susceptible when there is a bug out to get us like COVID-19. And so there is this sort of great reckoning that's happening. And I, I mean, I'm concerned that we're that we're missing the point. I hope that this conversation about people saving 
is indicative of how can I take control? How can I have some self-responsibility? And how can I make sure that my household and my family is taken care of? Because if you, just like what we talk about in Best to the Nest all the time, if you imagine sort of like the light bulb switching on in every house on the block where that's the focus, right? imagine then how does that impact the neighborhood? And then how does that spread out into the community? Right. All of those things are so amazing and so important. You know, so, you, you, you said a word, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you, go. you said a word earlier that I think has become, it's become Ian and I's mantra through the pandemic. We have been sort of spread out as a family. I'm working in Tempe. He works in Kansas. Beyond that, our kids are in different places as well. And he said to me, we were talking on the phone one night and he said, you know, we just need to contract. Yeah. We need to contract. Everything yeah. needs to contract. And so yeah. it actually led to a pretty hard decision. And I, I am, believe me, I am grateful that we even had this opportunity, but we had always imagined that we were going to retire in South Carolina. Yeah. So, cause I love South Carolina. I know so you have land there. I have, we have two pieces of land there. So last year, even before all of this, we had two pieces of land because the image was one will save for the kids and then one will build a little house there. And eventually there'd be a place for them to come visit us. And nothing's leaning in the South Carolina direction. Nothing. I mean, I bought these so long ago, but our lives have changed so much since then. And so last year we decided, you know, we'll sell one of them. And that was really hard for me because I love this place. It's in a, a little town called Beaufort. It's on a bay. The land isn't on a bay, but the town is on a bay. It's a sweet little town. So we decided to sell one and that was fine. And last year he's, he was like, you know, maybe we should sell the other one too. And I was like, oh, I don't know that I can. I love yeah. it so much. I don't want oh. to because it's a dream. It's a dream that I had. And we just really started talking about contracting, contracting, contracting. And so I just wrote the realtor yesterday and said, yep, put the other one up on the market. No Let's way. Let's just sell it. You did? Yeah. And so we, and then we'll have sold both. And it's part of it is I didn't expect to love the West so much. I love the West. I love being out there. And then what I realized too is, and this I didn't, I didn't understand that this was how I would feel 20 years ago. I want to be where the kids are. Yeah. I don't want the expectation of that they're going to come to me. Yeah. And that was something that my mother did really well. She would always come to us. We really didn't travel much to her. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful for that because it meant that she built this really, really strong relationship with, with her grandchildren. I mean, my sisters and I live all over the country. So she was always traveling to somebody's house. I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to be closer to them. Yeah. And so when we really started thinking about, like, what are we going to do? But it's also a financial decision. I mean, this is not – it's a cheap enough thing to carry. I mean, I pay taxes on the land and I pay an association fee every month. But that's still income going out that I'm getting nothing back for it. Right. And and I've been paying that for 20 years. <laughs> so it's like – it's just time. But it's – and I believe me, I feel very grateful that I even had the opportunity to buy those pieces of property and that it was it was a dream that we all had. But it's time. And I think the pandemic, what it did is it, it forced me to understand what does it feel like when I can't easily get to see my sons? Mm-hmm. 
all of these things are things I never would have imagined. I so took for granted the ease with which I would go from state to state and not even yeah. think about it. And this has really changed that. I mean, what if I had grandchildren? I wouldn't be able to see them. I wouldn't be a part of their pod. I wouldn't, I would have to travel on a plane to get to them and then I'd have to quarantine before I could see them. I mean, it's just crazy. Not that this is ever going to happen again, but it just really showed me contract, get all of your finances in order. And I think, you know, when I think about that, the one piece of advice, of financial advice I never took and I wish I had in my 30s, and financial planners would say this all the time, and it's really hard to do, is save one salary if you're both working. Oh, yeah. And that's so, so hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) I was never able to do it. Never able to do it. And I think back and I think, what would I have changed to be able to do that? And I still, even thinking back, don't know that I could have because I liked my life. I really do. I had, a, I had raising the kids. We had a wonderful time. But that's, that's like the big goal, I think, for people in your twenties and thirties is to try and save that kind of money. But if you can't, gosh, just think about that word contract. It's sort of become our mantra and just thinking about what's important. That piece of land is not important at all. Right. And I think that's what I was able to let go of. It's not important at all. Oh, what's I think important, that's great. Yeah. What's important is being near my kids and my husband, of course. First, I'll be near my husband, and then we're going to figure out how to be close <laughs> to the kids. I but, love that, though. You're right. And I think it's another example of more is not more. Nope. And I think in our homes and then also as a nation, we have sort of – we've – gotten, we've been sold this bill of goods that everything has to keep growing and be faster and be bigger and be more and that we will be happier and we will be better and it will all be better if we just have more. And we're learning now that that's not the case, that more is not more. And more is not sustainable. I mean, even the, at the, the rate at which public companies are required to report certain profit growth in order to satisfy their shareholders, like that's not sustainable, Marjorie. I right. mean, it's just not at its core. And I don't know if that's really who we want to be as people. I mean, is that who you want to be where it's you're just never satisfied? You're right. always looking for more and you're constantly trying to get more. I mean, this is how we've ended up with the top 1% in the world owning the vast majority of resources yeah. in the world. And it's and like you look at those numbers and you start to go, this is cr- like, I'm not a socialist, but this is crazy. I mean, this right. is crazy. <laughs> I love that statement. You I'm not a socialist, a socialist but this is crazy. Well, nuts. <laughs> well, we talk about 2020 as, as a year of reckoning. Yeah. Those kind of financial statistics, that kind of financial information, when you lose your middle class, there's a reckoning coming. Yeah. You cannot have a society that's healthy when there are such a a vast difference between those who have so much and those who have so little. No, it's impossible. it's, it's impossible and it's destabilizing to any country. And I don't think that's where we want to be. And when you talk about we shouldn't expect the government to care for us. I would say, and I don't think you were saying that actually. I no. don't think you were saying that. You I would were say saying, I don't. We can't expect them to take care of everything for us. There you go. That's better said because I don't want to put. <laughs> I don't want to put yeah. those words in your mouth because they when, definitely when, don't care. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I think you have to look at like we have to in this idea of contraction from a family standpoint for every little pod to figure out, okay, how are we going to contract? How are we as a family going to be healthy? How are we going to be financially healthy through all of this? And for the people that are losing their jobs, this is such a frightening time, such an incredibly frightening time. But you still have to have those conversations of how are we going to be scrappy as a family to make our way through this? But as a country, how are we going to contract as a country so that we can reorder our priorities to make sure that the things that we should be doing for the citizens of the United States of America that we are doing? For me, that's healthcare is number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, this idea that we might lose pre-existing conditions that blows my mind. Good luck. That, I know. I mean, I have a I have a niece that had a kidney transplant. Right. She loses. I mean, it, I can't even. I can't even go there in my head. I can't even go there in my head. And I just so there are so many things that I think personally when we think about that word contraction, I like I like I like finding the word that helps me get to the next level. If we think about that as families, but I think as a government, we have to think about we really have to figure out what the hell's going on. We can't think, go down that road. Well, yeah, and it's important to remember when you talk about contraction that I am also about to give birth. So when you say contraction, I give <laughs> some different imaging. <laughs> Right. Maybe not your mantra. (laughs) Maybe not yours. Oh, gosh. I love, though, you know, when you think about your household, though. Okay, so you talked about the land, that that was something that you're reprioritizing and and letting go of. I think my, you know, my dad always said to us growing up, and I believe me, I'm not any sort of financial wizard and I could be much better at saving. But he really hammered into us the value of the 401k. Right. And if there's one way, if you are still working, is to make sure that you are doing everything possible to max max out that 401k. When I had my first TV job, I made $19,000 a year, Marjorie. It was less than ideal. And I... um. And I, they had a 2% 401k match at my first company. Oh my and God. And so it's my dad money. said, you have to put 2% in. And at the time I was thinking like, I can't even pay my rent. I mean, my rent was $550 a month and my paychecks were 554 every yep. two weeks. Yep. It was like very challenging. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. And without family help, I, yeah. I don't know what I would have done. My parents paid my right. car payment for the first year out of school as my graduation gift. And I don't right. know how I would have made that payment if I, if I didn't have them to do it. And so that, but that 2% and that just little bit. And I remember taking after my first job in Duluth, I, they cut me a check, like a physical check for my 401k. And then I brought it to my new employer and then they deposited that into my next 401k. That's like how it worked then. I don't know. And I had $700 and then I mean, then I just never looked at it and I just kept going and I just would do the company match, the company match. And then the next time I looked at it, I had 70,000 in there. I mean, that's right. the truth. That's like, and that's, I remember going, oh my gosh, my dad was right. This was but it's, but if amazing. You look at it, if you look at it, that company match, okay, the stock market's going to do what the stock market's going to do. And that's a whole nother discussion. But if you look at it, it's, it is free money. I mean, we talk about if you make 10% in the market every year, that's a great year. Right. I mean, but if your company's matching you, 
2% dollar for dollar, you're making 100%. I know. And I can never, like the people who didn't, and I know you have, you have to prioritize that. If you've got a 401k, you've, and that's what I said to my son Gar when he first went to work, he was working for Harpo Studios. And up to a certain point, there, there was a pretty good match there. Right. And I said to him, and again, this is, this is the luxury of having a family that can help you. I said, if you, and he wasn't, he was living in Los Angeles, making okay money, but not Los Angeles money. Right. And so I said, if you need help, just let me know, but make sure you match, make sure you put in as much as you can. Right. And, and walking out of that, he had a nice little chunk of change, which yeah. he's really going to appreciate when he's 65 because that's just going to grow and grow and grow. So the biggest thing too, I think is, I mean, as much as you can try to figure out how to like sneak squirrel away little bits of money in secret accounts <laughs> so that you don't see it. <laughs> this has been my savings saving grace. It's like the only way that I'm able to save money because I'm not able to physically go like, oh, I'm just going to move this into right. it. Because right. I have auto auto redirection of like little bits of money. Oh, um, like another little trick was with my last car, for example. Well, I think it was Jay, one of our cars. I had a loan on the car through our credit union right. at work. And so every two weeks out of my paycheck... My, the car payment would just come right out and go right. and be paid towards that loan. Well, when the car was paid off, I just never stopped that money being taken out. And so I just kept it going into an account. And, and you're able to set that stuff up where you've, if you, I was already re- used to that payment. Yep, being gone. And we don't, didn't buy another car. We drive our cars into the ground. So we just kept it going. And so then all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh. So that, those have been some helpful things that well, honestly, if you're not, if it's not in your nature, if you're not just by nature a super conservative saving person, you have to trick yourself into becoming yep, one. Yep. I, I, um, when my grandmother died, so my grandmother worked in her husband's business for years and years. I think she did the books for his company, but but not she was not working 40 hours a week and then that was the only job. She had been a teacher before she was married, but when she was married, that was the only job she ever had. When she died, Elizabeth, she had a secret bank account that had $80,000 in it. No, that's so great. Yeah, that she had just put little bits of money away yeah, her yeah. whole life. Yeah. And I just, I love that. I, I, I personally love the idea of secret accounts. I may go start one today. I know you should. <laughs> and make them just as secret from yourself. Make it that yes. you don't have an app. That's what I love about that credit union at work is yeah. they don't have a fancy app. When I right. want to log in and see what my balance is, I have to like find out what my password right. is, look at right. it and get into it. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, That's nice. Funny. This is really great. Another thing, I mean, if you can do it, we just refied and we had just moved into our house We've moved, we've lived in this house less than two years and we already refinanced because we were able to save over a point. We were able to save over a point. And it is unbelievable what a difference that makes monthly. It's just huge. And we couldn't believe it. And we were like, wow. Okay. um, We're going to do this. Yeah, we're totally doing it. And, and then if you can swing it, my dad always tells me too about the 15 year trick where if you can, if you can pay double the principal every month yep. on your mortgage, you will turn your 30-year mortgage into a 15-year mortgage. And that's what I did on our house in St. Paul. I paid it like it was a 15-year. Yeah. 
And that was it. That is a, that's a great, great trick if you can do it. And I don't know that I did it every month, but it was more often than not I did. And that was a big darn deal because it's amazing how fast you can plow through your mortgage if you, if you can do that. So, I mean, I think that idea of tricking yourself is probably the best advice. I don't hear financial advisors say it quite that way. I don't either. But but I think that's the smartest thing we can say because I think, I think you're right. And I think you just have to, it has to be sort of out of sight, out of mind. I have to tell you a really quick funny story. So this idea of how people are saving money in the pandemic, I mean, I know for me, we're not eating out as much. Right. I'm traveling a lot less. I mean, I used to come to Kansas every three to four weeks. Yeah. I can't really do that in the pandemic. So, oh gosh, girls trips, all of it. I mean, all of and, it. and I'm tell, I'm convinced that if you leave town for a girls trip, it's a grand. Oh, <laughs> Easily. If you go yeah. to, I mean, if you, yeah, if you leave your house and yeah, and it's a grand. It's so, just the way it goes. Yeah. If you're traveling, it, the money just goes through your hands. So right. if you think about all of the ways that you're saving money. So I had dropped off in Tempe. There's a discount dry cleaner that I love. They're lovely women. It's $2.50 for anything you bring in, which is fantastic. So amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So I bring my stuff in and I just said to her, you know, how are you guys doing? Because they're still open, which I'm grateful for. And she's like, we're okay. We've lost a lot of business. And she said, because people, and I never thought about this, she said, people aren't going into work. Mm -hmm. So they're not bringing in their work clothes that they would normally have dry cleaned. She said, we are seeing the same amount of blouses, though, which is funny because people are still getting their blouses because of Zoom calls dry cleaned, (laughs) but not the bottom half. Isn't that funny? But she said that. Yeah, but she said, just think about those kinds of things that people are saving money on. And one of the tricks you just talked about is if you looked at all of the things you used to spend money on and you still have your job, your dry cleaning bill, squirrel that away and save the money. Yeah. I mean, think about all of the things. If you just kept acting like you were spending money on those things and you put them in a savings account instead, what would you have by the end of a pandemic? I bet it would be thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing is to really just open your eyes to what's coming in and what's going out. And it's hard to do and you have to do it regularly because things shift all the time and it's constant and it's so easy to get out of control. I remember we did before we moved into this house, I did the Reimers family expense reduction plan, you know, really rolled (laughs) off the tongue. It was really nice. But what I did was I was able, I, I took a really hard look at what was coming in and what was going out and I was able to, now one thing included paying off a car, which we only, we had like a couple thousand dollars left on it. And so I just paid it because I had that money in savings. And so I said, what am I doing paying interest on this? Let's just pay this off. Right. But I was able to, with cutting the cord on cable and then cutting a bunch of other like little random subscriptions and auto things that I just sort of had that I'd signed up for and then forgotten to cancel or whatever and all that. I, and then paying off that car, within about two weeks of work, I was able to cut $600 out of our monthly budget. Whoa. I mean, that's real money. Now, again, that included a car payment, so I know that's a few hundred dollars. No, but, but still. It was unbelievable. I mean, cutting the cord on cable at that yeah. point saved us about 100 bucks a month. So, yep. I mean, because our cable bill and internet was over $200 a month. Yep. And so I... It's just this idea of I, I in that time I realized oh my gosh like that is a huge amount of money that I was not even aware was just going yep. unnecessarily 
And, and so if you can tackle it, it just feels so empowering. And even if you can save $60 a month, who cares? I mean, whatever it is. Well, it goes back to, it goes back to your original story of saving a little bit when you were making $19,000 a year and what eventually that pattern grew into. And it's just a matter of habits and patterns. And again, we're looking for the platinum lining in the pandemic. And I like the alliteration of that, the Mm -hmm. platinum lining in the pandemic. But (laughs) if if that's what we're looking for, this is something that you can do now. And, And don't think that we are not mindful of so many people who have lost their jobs or have job insecurity. But while you have a job, yeah. This is, I think, something really good to look at and to go through your finances, see what you can cut, see what you can save, because we don't know how long we're going to be in this. And I think this is this is a good lesson for all of us right now. I totally, totally agree. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.